Hello and welcome to Standing in the Stream, a podcast for and about creative people. I'm your host, John Lane. Today's guest is Jesper Peterson, Danish composer, sound artist, musician, and educator, currently residing in Reykjavik, Iceland. Jesper has a background in electronic music and has for some time been experimenting with real-time animated notation. In fact, he refers to some of his work as visual music, where the visual aspect of the performance is just as important to the experience as the sound. His works have been performed by ensembles, including the Iceland Symphony Orchestra and Duo Harpwerk, and at international music festivals, including the Tectonics Festival and Nordic Music Days. Jesper, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for being Thank- here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, we're going to just dive right into it. Uh, there are lots of things to talk about today. I, I discovered your music when I was writing a grant to try to get to Iceland, and I came across all of these wonderful uh, composers working there in Iceland. And so there are many, many questions and, and things that I'd like to talk about, but I always like to start these conversations by going back. So let's talk about how you decided to pursue music and composition and how you got started. Well, I started out uh, as a kid, like uh, many of us do, and uh, started on the piano and uh, was singing in a choir. And I thought it was more interesting than, than playing football. So, <laughs> so that's sort of like, uh, it went very natural. <laughs> Yeah, like that, and and then you know you learn and you develop, and at some point you you reach a state of uh, where you go to to high school. And I got interested in in rock music and pop music and progressive rock music and all the electronic means and the synthesizers and all this kind of stuff. So I was kind of fed up playing the Journey etudes on piano. So. <laughs> So I stopped for a while and 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 uh, pursued the more uh, more uh, experimental uh, electronic and progressive kind of rock influenced music for a mm. while. Mm-hmm. Great. And uh, and do you want to say anything about your study, uh, how you got into composing and and working with electronics? Yeah, uh, it was sort of like uh, well. Um, I started studying uh, musicology in uh, Denmark oh, okay. at the university, and um, this university was the only one at the time in Denmark that had a music technology line. So where the other universities were much more uh, maybe classical, in a sense, uh, this uh, this kind of university in Aalborg was uh, was trying to be cutting edge on. Uh, music and computers and technology and trying to figure out what is this uh, what is happening in this in this dialogue between the technology and the music because we cannot use we cannot look at the music only from the standpoint of the music it's also about musical instruments and how things are developing there of course uh, so that was uh, what I was interested in so I went there because of course I was interested in ele- electronic music and computers and all this sort of stuff and I ended up getting a a master's degree there in music technology that also incorporates um, composition as a part of the of the praxis there the sort of idea the sort of idea that you cannot really research this uh, field without actually getting your feet wet also right so sort of practical uh, research 
So were your first compositions electronic music compositions, or did you did you study composition like you know, many people go through the craft of studying composition, counterpoint, and, you know, this type of thing. Um, or did you did you just start working with electronics uh, from the very beginning? Well, uh, I was, of course, in, while being in your university, I learned all the counter, uh, counterpoint and all this kind of stuff. The sort of the craft uh, of, you know... The what craft of the thing, yeah. you know... Uh, and um, but it actually came out as uh, somebody asked me to write a piece. It was a choir piece. It was the first mm -hmm. kind of composition, you know, because there, there's always this sort of uh, divide from what you just do yourself and, and have a lot of fun with till somebody actually asks you for a piece of work. Mm -hmm. And that's that's, I think, a big, big, <laughs> big uh, jump. Yeah, at least it was for me. Sure. So, uh, so I had to be a sit down and 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 all of a sudden be a composer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's I, I've often I remember the very first time that uh, a piece of mine uh, that I played for one of my teachers. Uh, one of my teachers in Cincinnati was this percussionist Alan Adi, whom you, you may know, um, being mm -hmm. in the percussion group Cincinnati, and it was the first piece that I that I wrote and. Um, I had really never played it for anyone other than, you know, myself. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so I set the thing up and I played it for him and and he starts laughing. <laughs> and he's laughing and I'm thinking, why is he laughing at me? And um, you just have to kind of know Al. He's uh, He has just sort of a, a quirky personality about that kind of thing. But he later I, I told him, I was telling him this story. Of course, then he got into, well, you know, he he liked the piece and it did this well and, and he liked this aspect of it or whatever um but later he told me i i told him that story and he said well i was laughing in some way because i was very happy that you had made this piece mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so but it takes a lot of bravery to make something yeah and it's uh, but it's also really hard because all of a sudden you find yourself in this role of actually having to 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 it becomes all of a sudden very serious from this uh, maybe when you start out and you're just playing with things and just having a lot of fun with it until like somebody actually asks you for something and you like panic <laughs> <laughs> and feel you have to deliver something and you well at least i i felt that with this piece it's a, it's an okay piece but it's very far from from what i'm actually doing today and yeah. and that's of course the process of actually discovering what you want yeah. that is so very inherent in, in being an artist and course composer musician whatever you know yeah so um tell me about how you made your way to iceland that was actually part of uh, when i was doing my masters uh, i uh, i uh, was so lucky to become an exchange student at the icelandic academy of the arts um so i went there for a semester and and that uh, completely uh, turned my my uh, way, uh, my outlook on what I was actually doing and studying like upside down because mm. uh, what I was studying in Aalborg was maybe more theoretical uh, and uh, going to an arts academy, it was, and especially in Iceland, uh, it was a complete uh, different mindset where it was uh, create first and ask later. Ah. Whereas, uh, so, so that was, uh, that was, uh, incredibly good for me 
You, you, I want to just go back so, to something you said there. You said it was different, especially in Iceland. What, what makes it different? Uh, what, what do you mean by that specifically? Well, well, the uh, thing is, when you uh, live in Denmark, you're used to like a certain cultural mindset and and the way things work. We are much more organized in Denmark, and we're you know all this kind of stuff. Okay. Whereas in Iceland, it's much more. Uh, you can't really plan ahead. Things happen when they happen, in a weird way. Hmm. Uh, but still, there seems to be this kind of flow. And think... nobody can really say why things happen when they do happen, but but everybody seems to 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 know anyway. It's <laughs> so, a weird it's a weird uh, island mentality, and so it's just it's small, cultural. Small, small. So it's cultural, is what you're saying. Cultural, but it's also uh, yeah, of course it's cultural, but it's also very much dictated by nature. Like oh. uh, yesterday evening, we had a giant storm, so you just don't go outside when there's a big storm. Uh-huh. So, so the whole way of living here is very much, very much like that. Uh, mm. There's actually, there's actually a, some people t- t- talks about uh, fishermen's brains. Mm. That says, yeah, today it's not a nice weather to go out fishing, so we do something else. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, it's very hard to plan ahead. So, so if you had, so if you had concerts where you've had it on a calendar for months and uh, it comes to the day and it's not nice outside and so it's canceled i mean is this the kind of thing that happens it could happen it could <laughs> very well happen wow. and uh, it's like if it's a good day for going skiing everybody leaves the city and goes skiing <laughs> it's just like that it's just like that that's <laughs> wonderful uh, <laughs> um Wow. Well, that, that's actually a good transition point to talk about how um, how you work then, because I would assume living in a place like that definitely influences how you work. And one of the things that always has attracted me to Iceland is is that geography and the and the weather and the landscape. And uh, it's always been very appealing to me. And I would imagine that living in a place of such contrast and extremes uh, would influence your your work in some way uh, certainly influences the way that the way that you have to work in in terms of scheduling and and all the things you just mentioned but mm-hmm. how does living in iceland uh how is it has it made its way into your work at all uh, yeah definitely but but it's it's uh, it's always hard to say what is iceland in what i'm doing Mm. Uh, it's 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 very uh, and it's a very tricky thing to to actually point out and because my music doesn't sound like anything like for instance Björk or Sigros or anything like that the big big uh, kind of uh, pop stars from Iceland that right. uh, that people have been analyzing and saying oh yeah the guitar and Sigros that my, reminds us of the of the big uh, mountains and all these kind of things people have been like assigning these kind of things into the music mm-hmm. uh, but I think it's also uh, because when I moved to Iceland in 2009 um, I uh, immediately got adopted by this composers collective up here called Slautish and being part of this kind of group group force uh, became like a a second uh, school for me in many mm. ways. It was became like a like my 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 next form of education without being inside a school system. But 
And that's where I learned all about the animated notation, about all this kind of uh, music in real time, where you can, uh, by the use of the aid of computers and this form of notation, uh, it's 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 easy to to set up concerts because you don't need as much practice time mm-hmm. on music that might be really difficult mm-hmm. and and all these. So there are there there is this element of practicality uh, regarding uh, this form of spontaneity that's built into the society and the culture. Wow. So t- <laughs> tell me a little bit more about this collective. So how many composers are there and, and, and have they all, uh, like how long has this been? This group been together? What, what are some other things about this group that, and how did you find them? How did you get involved with them? Well, I got involved. It's uh, about ten years old or so, uh, okay. and I got involved with them. Uh, like a couple of the founders, uh, two composers, one called Paul, Ivan Paulson, and the other one is called Gudmundur State Gunnarsson. I met them uh, when I was a uh, an exchange student at the Arts Academy, and okay. we were hanging out, and we were we were uh, building instruments together and uh, doing improv improv music and all kinds of stuff and just uh, cruising around in cars during the night and talking about life and music and the universe <laughs> <laughs> wonderful so, so it's uh, so you found your you found your tribe your community there yeah, in Iceland exactly, yeah exactly exactly yeah. uh, so that was why i had to move to iceland ah wow because i couldn't find that in denmark uh, in the same way so tell, let's talk a little bit about that uh, animated notation that features prominently in a lot of your work and something that the the composers in this group uh, were interested in doing as well. Um, mm-hmm. So what I wonder what was in the air uh, at that time that, that made you all interested in animated notation? And so you could talk about that or, or maybe a little bit about how you work with animated notation. Yeah, well, um, there... Actually, we're there's maybe fifteen in the collective, like all together, and there's maybe a, a hardcore group of maybe six, seven that are actually uh, like actively working with animated notation. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we're all sort of using it in different ways and and have like different strategies. And uh, one might be like uh, using it for. For having doing like interactive music, so having a computer react to what players are playing, and a way for the computer to speak back to the musicians to create some sort of uh, interaction is, is to have real-time notation. Uh, another way would be notating rhythms that are very complex, mm-hmm. but uh, by using animated notation and and like moving the notes over over the screen over like a playhead or something, you lose the the element of of having to figure out. Just the reading aspect becomes so much easier. Yeah, like if you take a, a piece of music by Brian Fernihow and tries to starts to you have to start figuring out all these nested rhythms and just figure out how to read the thing. Right, and it takes a lot of time and a lot of practice and. Uh, but but he has his reasons for making this making it so complex, but but uh, we were more interested in in um, being able to perform rhythms uh, that are like having having the 
notation actually more performative in a way. Yeah. Uh, so it so if you're just listening to the audio of what the performers are doing, it might sound like this very hyper complex. But mm-hmm. when you're when you're actually looking at the score, um, which might be as you said, some sort of field of. Uh, of colors, uh, the one uh, we should do like a specific example. So I pulled up this piece, Seascape, for instance. Uh, your piece, yeah, Seascape. That's very much uh, like an idea of having this uh, scrolling element uh, idea. Yeah. So uh, maybe you could maybe you could describe um, how the the score works, and I could play a little uh, play an example of this piece. Yeah, uh, it's um, you have uh, some uh, horizontal lines. And you have some letters. I'll try to find the score here, so I can I can I don't say something. I'm not gonna lie to you what <laughs> it looks like. Okay. Uh, so and I might uh, just play. I might just play underneath while while you're talking. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, you have uh, on these horizontal lines, you have some uh, boxes that moves from uh, right to left, and you have a vertical line. Towards the left, it's sort of orange. And uh, when these boxes hit the line, um, you play. And it's just as basic as that. And we're listening to a short uh, excerpt of that now, so we'll just listen to Seascape by Jesper Peterson. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the boxes uh, are moving from right to left, and uh, when they hit this orange uh, line, we sometimes call it a playhead. You play, and uh, in this case, I also like to make it even more clear. Uh, the boxes change color from sort of dark gray to red. Hmm. There are four groups of performers: uh, A, B, C, and D. Okay. A is uh, it's the audience, and they're playing these um, jars, uh, just like normal, just preservative like jars mm-hmm. uh, with uh, preserves. Glass uh, jars, glass glass jars with yeah. water in it okay. and with uh, straws, so they make this bubbly sound. Ah, okay. And uh, there's just a lot of them. Uh, so the audience, when they see this uh, box coming, they play, and when it has passed the line, they stop playing. I see. And then B is uh, it's two organ pipes. It has two notes. They just play, so it sounds like, sort of like a an old foghorn or uh-huh. something. Yeah. And C and D are two percussionists, and they're playing two sounds each. Uh, one is like a small, small djembe drum and a woodblock, I think. Mm-hmm. No, castanet, castanets. And uh, then the other one is like a woodblock and I think a glass jar also with a mallet. 
it's fascinating because you watch the score go by and you you anticipate the sounds because you see them start on the right side of the screen and you see the dots or the lines for the sustained sounds and you see them coming across so you know what's coming so there's almost mm-hmm. the sense of this anticipation that happens with mm-hmm. seeing all the rhythms coming down the coming across the screen and then when they it's very satisfying to see them hit the uh, you know their targets on the on the left mm-hmm. side and then mm-hmm. hear the sound mm-hmm. it's a very interesting experience that we don't normally get to have in a you know uh, mm-hmm. in a concert piece so yeah i find that really interesting uh an interesting way to work and, and but it's actually totally necessary yeah that's uh, that's another thing because yeah. if the objects were just to appear on the screen without any warning it would be uh, awful to read right uh, exactly and, no, 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 and no, you it's... would get no you would get no precision in the in the rhythms and the and, and the things you want to to kind of have so uh, so actually this preview what we call it, that you see what is coming is uh, is something we've been working a lot with because like the the speed of how things are moving is 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 very important actually. Yeah. For your reading experience and what kind of feel you want in the music. Sure. Um, so and also we've been experienced we've been uh, uh, researching this of course for for a long time and uh, and if you if you don't have everything moving in the same sync like everything moves in the same speed, some people will uh, experience motion sickness by reading this. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, interesting things uh, that can, can, can even go wrong or be used. <laughs> huh. uh, so, yeah. That's, that's really interesting, uh, really interesting stuff. Um, let's talk a little bit about the creative process. This is something that I've been wanting to get into mm-hmm. with uh, guests. How how does a piece happen for you? I mean, I know each one is unique, and each one is for a different, you know, might be for a different performer or ensemble or what have you. But, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe we could choose a piece and you could take kind of take us from the conception to the realization. Uh, but how do you... How do you work? What's your process? How do you, how do you prefer to work? Well, it's uh, as you say, it's uh, different from piece to piece. Sure, <laughs> always. <laughs> but sometimes you 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 have this uh, traditional sort of way of working where uh, you know it's for uh, a spe- specific ensemble or specific instrumentation you have to write for, and then you sort of work work with it like that and but in many cases I've been so lucky to work with people that will sort of play whatever you want them to play yeah uh, because we have we also have our own ensemble in Slautur uh, called Fenkjastrutur that is uh, this sort of post list of people that uh, they all have uh, this in common that they they like to play and they like to play all kinds of stuff and uh, they're not limited by playing just one instrument. Mm. So, but uh, let's take maybe uh, a piece like since we're talking to a percussionist, we're gonna take the piece called Hayota Kese. Hayota Kese, which is uh, a percussion quintet. Okay. Okay. Oh uh, yes, and the, this and is electronics. The, yes, yes. This is the, another animated notation piece. I, I looked yeah, at this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Okay, I got five players, and they're amazing players, and they can play anything, and they're just great. So, I decided to to create some sort of instrument kits for them. 
Um, and uh, with this kit, sort of intricate with it is also the notation. I like to I like to either build instruments or or like find instruments. Mm-hmm. I think that's really fun to find things and and make them into instruments. It's of course a long tradition in America, but right. maybe not. It's not so so. It's not so inherent in Europe. Maybe well, it it is today, but it it maybe not so. So uh, yeah, but anyways, I went to IKEA. And uh, there they have, when you walk out, uh, they have this uh, corner where uh, they have all the stuff that has either been sitting in the store and and uh, they want to get rid of for mm-hmm. cheap or like stuff that is maybe being discontinued. Uh-huh. So they want to get rid of it because they've been taken out of the, out of the catalog. And uh, there I found some uh, like flower vases made out of aluminum. And uh, you can't get them anymore. Anymore, so so these instruments are actually. It used to be a mass-produced object that you could get <laughs> in every IKEA, but not anymore. Hmm. Uh, but they were just sitting there and being sort of discarded out of this uh, this uh, big fantasy world. Um, <laughs> so I and they're really good because they sound really good. Sure. And they, they can create two notes. If you hit and hit them on this on the on the side, it make one pitch, and then when you hit it on the bottom, it makes another pitch, and they're like uh, maybe a fourth apart or something like that. Um, so I decided to tune them. Um, uh-huh. You could they could actually be tuned just like you tune uh, like uh, anklunks. No, what's it called? No, uh, almglock. Almglock. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you can uh, like uh, cut a slit in the side. Of it, and you right. can tune them up and down like that. Right. So, so that worked in the same way for those. So, so I could create this uh, sort of uh, microtonal uh, worlds mm. uh, with these instruments. And then it was just some some found metal objects uh, also, and voice. Okay. And so you started with the instruments. For yeah. this piece, so the instruments mm-hmm. themselves provided the inspiration for the the yeah the piece. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. I have a we can play a little example of this piece, just a short clip. Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. okay, here's a, a a sample of. And can you pronounce the name of this piece again for us? Hayotakese. And here's a clip. So we're getting a sense of uh, these uh, flower vases, these metal flower vases that you were talking about. Now we're getting the sound of it. But unfortunately, this being an audio podcast, we're missing 50% of what's happening. Can you describe the animated score um, of what's happening on the screen? Yeah. Uh, so you have uh, everybody's reading from uh, the same score. And uh, instead of it being a... Uh, 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 like a piano roll kind of metaphor, like uh, it was in Seascape. I uh, I took another approach, and um, there are five players. They each have their own color, um, and 
this color is sort of uh, symbolized by an avatar. And uh, this avatar is in the shape of a slice of okra. <laughs> um, and uh, so they're placed in this uh, field. And um, in between them, they send uh, colored uh, balls. And when, uh, say, the blue okra sends a red ball towards the yellow okra, when this red ball hits the, the yellow okra, the yellow okra plays the red sound, ah. which is um, the sound of hitting this uh, flower vase on the side. So there are five different sounds and five different colors. Um, and so that's so the idea. Is the score fixed or is it always different every time? Or is it, uh, you know you know what I'm saying? Is it a fixed format piece or does it change with each performance? Well, in this form that it is now, it's, uh, it's fixed. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fascinating. That's a, a very interesting piece. And I should say that uh, for folks that are listening, you can visit um, Jesper's portion of the Slatur uh, website, uh, and I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show uh, notes on the website so that you can find it. But uh, many of these works, uh, you have sound and video, um, and they can go online and, and check those out to kind of get a deeper experience of what we're talking about. But th that's a really interesting piece, and, and that's another one that I had looked at in, in sort of preparation, and that's one of the ones that I first found, actually, when, when I contacted you back in, when was that? Last last spring, I, I suppose, is when I was putting yeah, together the, I think so. yeah. this thing. I'm sorry that didn't work out, by the way. That's the way it goes with, with grants. But you know, it will work out in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, so great. So that kind of takes us yeah. through your sort of creative process and that one piece, which was a piece uh, generally uh, created because of these instruments that you found. Now, I, yeah. I'm, I'm quite interested in the instrument building myself. I, I created an instrument this year uh, and played at the Percussive Art Society convention on a mu on a concert of uh, the music of Mark Applebaum. I don't know if you know Mark's music. Yeah, yeah, yeah at all. I know him. Okay, he's one of the guys we want to come to Iceland also. Ah, uh, yeah, so, Mar Marcus. Yeah, yeah. He's really yeah, terrific. He's great. Uh, he's really terrific. We've had him here at the university, and uh, I always I was very much inspired by his instrument creation, the mouse traps. You know, he has these. Yeah, 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 there are a couple yeah. of them. And so, mm -hmm. anyway, I made an instrument uh, that I used, that I made of uh, coiled springs and some squeaky wheels and music boxes and uh, slinky and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I, I sort of made this uh, homemade instrument, and um, I did that in order to respond to his piece called The Metaphysics of Notation. And mm -hmm. I felt like the only way to really respond to that score was with the creative response of making a new you know, bringing a new instrument to the piece. I wonder how you got started with instrument building. Was it in response to something or were you inspired by, you know, what, what are your inspirations for instrument building? And maybe you could talk about an instrument that you've created or one that was successful perhaps, or one that wasn't so successful or, you know, just kind of wherever you want the conversation to go. But I'm, I'm interested to talk a little bit about your experience with instrument building. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it was something that started when I went to the Arts Academy uh, as an exchange student uh, because I was there in the new media department and 
at that time it was in the um, located in the visual arts building so there was a, a workshop there and, and all these kind of wonderful places that you don't have n normally in a music department. So, uh, so that was great. So uh, we went there all the time to the, to the workshop and built stuff. And there was just mm. scrap wood and scrap metal and whatever we could, you know, and we could use it all. And it was great. So, so that, that approach of uh, playfulness of just putting some random things together and, and, and using it as some sort of like, personal statement also mm -hmm. like almost the idea that if you build your own electric guitar it's better than the one you can buy in the store even though <laughs> it's true. a really crappy electric guitar you built <laughs> but it's your electric guitar that you made yourself so yeah. there's this sort of value in it uh, this personal affection um, yeah mark mark would say that you know he <laughs> he was talking about his mousetraps but he's he said you know he could say that he is the world's virtuoso on the mousetrap because no one else plays it. So he's the mm -hmm. world's, you know, best virtuoso, you know, instrumentalist on that one mm -hmm. instrument. So you could you could say that about your own creations. Exactly. But then it sort of developed into um, I made some pieces uh, for just like traditional uh, instruments, uh, and then I got in interested in sort of merging the the notation with the instrument itself, and like creating this kind of meta instruments and one of the first i made was uh, actually projecting the score onto the animated score onto the keyboard of a piano hmm. so all of it, so there's this extension of the traditional instruments and and kind of trying to to blend both the notation and the the, the instrument together in into one kind of thing hmm. and this that's some sort of idea of a modified instrument and and that led to uh, I actually built a light array for uh, the concert harp uh, that you put in front of the strings, and when the lights light up, you would play that note. Um, again, like trying to modify the instruments uh, using the notation. But then also there are pieces where actually the instrument itself is more or less the piece. Uh, one I made at some point was um, it was a three-man instrument and it was sort of it was just a cardboard box and uh, inside it was uh, some I think it was like a, you could like turn a handle and it would make like a rattling sound and uh, then there was a string inside it that you could bow and there was a hose you could blow in and it made this sort of sound of a, a sheep or something <laughs> And I put uh, I put like uh, an old rug from again from IKEA I think on it so it looked like this square sheep, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all the all the sort of uh, the sound producing elements uh, were hidden inside the box so you couldn't mm. see it as as an audience but you can only see people doing something it's like like these kind of uh, you know when they do the when they do the 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 what's it called like the, the the surgeries with the binoculars and they have these handles and they do everything inside but they watch you know they they don't open the patient up right you know? right so right. the musicians was sort of like doing this uh, when you <laughs> watch it as the audience so it becomes this very mysterious thing because huh. you don't know 
as an audience what's inside the box. You only hear the consequences of what they do, but you can't see the actual physical interaction. Yeah, that's great. That's so great. that's sort of interesting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it sounds very interesting. Well, um, we, we mentioned instrument building, but l there's another instrument that you play uh, that, that there aren't a whole lot of folks out there playing, which is the theremin. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us about this instrument and how you got started playing playing the theremin. Yeah, it's actually, um, it goes back to, what, 1994, the first time I went on the internet. Uh, I was a late adopter. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was one of the first uh, thing I uh, I was searching for back then. There was no Google back then, so you used I think I used InfoSeek. Uh huh. Or something like that. Yeah. Uh, something like that, and uh, and uh, it coincided with uh, this uh, Renaissance. There was um, you know Leon Theremin, the Russian that invented the instrument. He was discovered again in Russia that, you know, everybody had thought he was dead, but he was not. So he'd been working for the KGB for many years. So he was sort of a secret. And, uh, but yeah, so, so, but that came out of the whole working with electronic music and being sort of interested in some sort of what are the roots for electronic instruments and the whole idea of, electronic music and he's one of the forefathers and, and he developed a lot of instruments that are really really interesting and one of them the theremin hmm. um, and and for people so. that don't know what this instrument is this is the instrument that was used a lot in on you know like science fiction movie soundtracks like the day the earth stood still for instance mm -hmm. is a really famous one it's this sort of mm -hmm. electronic um how would you just how would you describe it um well, um, just for people that may not know what this instrument is. Well, I can I can simulate uh, a theremin by doing <laughs> like this. That's and it. Everybody knows. Everybody knows what it is. That's and, it. Uh, <laughs> you that's got it. it. So, uh, but it's uh, this is just one uh, aspect of the. Well, this is the science fiction aspect of the theremin. It's this overworldly sound that you don't really know where it comes from, and it's this. Weird, unsettling because it has no root in in acoustic instruments at yeah. all. It's yeah. something else. But the instrument is even more radical because you'd play it without touching it. Right. Uh, right. And uh, it has two antennas: one that uh, controls the pitch, and one that controls the volume. You sort of have to navigate this uh, this field between these two antennas to to try to catch the music somehow. Because you don't have any, you don't have any fretboards. You don't have any surfaces like you do with with most other instruments, like yeah, traditional instruments. So so it's a completely different concept, uh, and I think it's a very beautiful concept. But it's also extremely difficult to play. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So so, uh, so um, you started experimenting with this in the in the mid '90s. Then at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did so, uh, and it was sort of lingering. And then I've been like playing it uh, now here in Iceland in, in different bands and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, would you say that that's your one of your primary instruments then, or? No, not at all. Not no. at all. <laughs> no, no. It's just one of. I, I'm. I'm. You know, as I mentioned, I started out on piano and uh, and voice. 
And uh, these days, I, when people ask me, it's it's uh, I don't I can't I can't give you an answer to what my instrument is anymore. Okay. <laughs> so because I'm playing many instruments and uh, building instruments, and uh, there's always something new popping up. Yeah. Um, at the moment, I'm. I'm very interested in percussion also, uh, specifically Chinese percussion. Oh, really? Very, so, like very like what kind of what kind of instruments, what kind of Chinese percussion instruments? Like the, well, the gongs I, and drums? I'm into, the gong, I'm into the gongs and I'm into the whole wood, wood sounds, uh, the wood blocks and all this kind of stuff. Mm. I think it's really interesting. Uh, yeah, so, but it's also, I want to, I want to kind of figure out some new ways to make some new music and, and, Many times I get, and that goes back to the instruments building also, that collecting instruments and playing them is often like an intricate part of the compositional process. Mm. Uh, even though it might be like an instrument that exists, I might modify them or put them into a different context, and that sort of uh, becomes some sort of stepping stone for uh, new ideas, for new pieces. Yeah. Many times. Yeah, terrific. Yeah? Yeah. Um, well, we should uh, probably wrap up uh, within the next few minutes here. So uh, maybe the last point, uh, last talking point here might be talking a little bit about perhaps you might have advice for those of us that are moving along the creative path or, or trying to, to make a creative life, uh, balancing... Uh, you know, family life, which I know you you have a family and uh, mm. and the work, and it also I noticed that you you list in your bio that an educator, but uh, you know you're teaching at some point at some on some level. How do you balance all of that? Do you have advice for for people that are wanting to uh, pursue a creative life? Um, any of those topics would be great for a closing mm-hmm. segment. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on where you live. Trying to make it in America is, uh, I think very difficult at least that's what i am hearing everywhere mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah uh, it is <laughs> the competition is the competition is uh, extreme uh, i think living in a place like iceland is great if you want <laughs> if you want to be a creative person hmm. because uh, the mentality here people are interested open for new things it seems to be a more uh, uh, embraceive way things work here mm-hmm. uh, because it's so small I think it's also because it's never been like it's it's very hard to live from being just a composer in Iceland and there's maybe maybe two composers in Iceland that only compose and do not teach at all uh, so so having this this one thing is 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 almost impossible. So we have to do different things. Uh, and one thing is uh, maybe teaching or other people maybe work in a coffee shop or something on the side. Right. Uh, just to have a day job. And uh, then you do the do the serious business <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you get back. And uh, but also, um, I don't know. Yeah, if you want to be, if you want to do experimental music, and you should move to, you should move to Iceland. Uh, that's what <laughs> that's what Christian Wolf said when he came here. Uh, really? Last, wow. Yeah, he came here and uh, and he said, "Wow, this is uh, this is the way, this is the place to be." So, uh-huh. 
So I think so. I think so. But um, I don't know. I don't know. There seem to be when there's not when there's not so much money involved, mm-hmm. people seem to be more free to to experiment and to have fun and to uh, to do things not as restricted as 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 if you are getting paid a lot of money to do a piece for instance yeah. i i feel this myself it's not a bad thing but i feel like if you get a lot of money it, it's it's sort of it's strange it's strange <laughs> yeah well um, do you find do you find iceland the community there to be open to um people uh relocating there and 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 wanting to establish themselves i mean do you have would you say that the community is pretty open to that or is it because you said it's a small community so i mean Mm -hmm. people are i suppose iceland is probably one of those places in the world where um you wouldn't end up there by accident you know you would you would be there on purpose um yeah yeah it's a choice it's a choice definitely definitely because it's not uh you know the weather is uh, <laughs> is pretty brutal sometimes. Yeah, at least that respect, it's uh, it's not maybe the most interesting place to be. <laughs> yeah. So what um, kind of what kind of teaching um, do you do? Do you teach composition? Do you teach music lessons? What what sort of uh, teaching things are you doing? Well, I actually teach both at the Academy of the Arts in the music uh, department, and then I teach in a music school also that has okay. a computer music studio. In the Arts Academy, I'm teaching. I have some uh, some students there where just you know, one-on-one lessons, and I teach some uh, group lessons also where we do some circuit bending and some hacking and some instrument building and learn about sound design and stuff like that Mm. so it's great it's great yeah it sounds great well i can't wait to come and visit i hope i can make it out there one of these days you should you should come yeah um, yeah great well uh jesper thank you so much for being on the show and uh certainly have enjoyed uh getting to chat with you for our our time here thank you it was uh great finally speaking to you in person And with that, we conclude episode three of Standing in the Stream, Conversations with Creatives. Again, I'm your host, John Lane. You can follow me on Twitter, at thatjohnlane. You can find the show, links, and show notes on my website, john-lane.com, and follow the show on Facebook. Simply search for Standing in the Stream. Thanks to Jesper Peterson for chatting today. Thanks again to Danny Clay for our theme music. You can find him online at dclaymusic.com. I'll be back next time for more Conversations with Creatives. Thanks for listening.